0: Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Wow. I feel like it's been so long since I sat here and recorded a show on my own for the podcast. and. Honestly, that's because my podcast manager, Bob, has been doing an amazing job at getting awesome guests for the show. So first of all, thank you, Bob, for booking so many guests. I haven't had to create so many solo shows, but I will say it is nice to sit down and record something on my own. And I want to say welcome and happy new year to everyone listening. It's really exciting to be entering into 2023. I feel so empowered and inspired, and I am one of those people who loves the fresh start of the new year. I'm not someone who gets into the resolution thing really at all, but I will set some intentions. Sometimes I will pick a word of the year. Actually, side note, my word of the year is strengthen. so just strengthening so many areas of my life. But besides that, I want to say we have a really special episode of the show today. And before I get into why it's so special, I want to say that in December and part of November, we had our highest downloads yet for Full and Thriving, and we saw massive growth, which means so much. And what that says to me is that we have some pretty dedicated listeners here And it says that you guys are sharing this show with folks you know, or maybe recommending it or writing reviews. So I want to say thank you to everybody who is supporting the show because I feel like one of the things I'm the most confident in life is this show. I really do believe that it is going to touch many people and that it helps people. And it means a lot to me when I see the number of downloads increase because it's something I truly believe is meant to happen. So I want to say thank you to all of you who are listening and just helping spread the word. But anyway, that is not why today's episode is so special. Today's episode is special because, as many of you know, the doors to my online recovery community, The Recovery Collective, Are finally open again. They have been open since the 19th and they will be open until February 1st. And then that is it until May. So I wanted to throw that out there. But one of my favorite things about the Recovery Collective is watching the members support and encourage each other and seeing strangers from all over the globe become friends over time. It is truly magical as someone who is kind of a community freak. I love community. I love friendship. It means so much to me to see people bond almost that I love seeing the members of the community support each other. And it fills me up with joy when they touch each other's recoveries in a positive way. And I find that our members sometimes even give the best advice because they're going through recovery Alongside each other. And sometimes I think their advice is even more profound and insightful than mine because they're in the thick of it in the moment. And I've been recovered for a while and I have a coaching perspective. Sometimes advice from someone going through it with you feels a little bit different, right? And that sometimes hits in a stronger way. So while I wish all of you listening right now would just join the Recovery Collective today. I know that some of you might be feeling a little bit shy about joining a community that's focused on healing your mental health. Maybe you don't think you're worth it. Maybe you don't think you're sick enough. I get it. I've heard so many hesitations. And first of all, I want to say you guys are worthy of community. You are worthy of healing. You are sick enough, especially if you listen to this podcast and it resonates with you, right? So I get it. But to help you all warm up to the idea of maybe joining a community, I wanted to give you all the experience of what it's like inside. So a few weeks back, I asked our members to send in words of support advice and encouragement to the listeners of this podcast to help all of you as you're all going through your own recoveries. And I hope that what these individuals share today really resonate with you and I hope it all makes you feel a little less alone on your journey. So big thank you in advance to Claire, Coco, Becky, and Becca for sending in their recordings. So without further ado, let's get started. The first thing I asked our guests today were who they are and where they're from. Hello,
1: my name's Claire, pronoun she, her. I'm 41 years of age and live in Australia. Hey, I'm Becca. I'm 34 years old and I live in Kentucky, USA.
2: Hi, I'm Coco. I'm 28 years old and I'm from Zolling, Germany.
3: I'm Becky. I'm 25 and I'm from Manchester in England in the UK.
0: Okay, can we just pause for a second and think about that? Did you hear their ages and where they're located? This was just a random sampling of individuals in the community. We have someone from the UK, someone from Germany, someone from Kentucky in the US, and someone from Australia. And their ages range from 25 to 41 years old. And honestly, when you join the collective, you will make friends from all over the globe of all different ages. We have members who span from ages 18 all the way into their 60s, which is pretty remarkable. And it's helpful to have folks from different backgrounds with varying life experiences. Okay, so the next question I asked the members was, What words of encouragement would you like to share with the listeners today? To start, Becca shared advice that I think is really helpful for folks who have been struggling for a while
4: now. While your eating disorder will do everything it possibly can to isolate you from others in your life and also from your true self, you are not alone. You are not the one person that recovery cannot work for, and you do deserve any and all help you are able to receive. No matter how long you've been struggling, no matter which eating disorder you may have, no matter how you feel it might be compared to anyone else, your race is your pace. Your recovery journey is your recovery journey. And as frustrating as it can be, it just takes the time it takes. There is no universal recovery timeline or trajectory. And no matter how big or how small they may seem, Acknowledging every single win can make a huge difference when you feel like you have gotten nowhere in recovery or struggle to see any of the progress that you absolutely have made. Becky
0: and Coco had more encouragement to add. I want to say
3: that even if you don't want to recover, you're in denial, or you're scared, it's okay. You don't have to be 100% committed straight away. Everything can be taken in baby steps and your mind will catch up if you take it slow, but you don't have to do all this alone. Like Mega said before, it's about building up your recovery muscle. You're not alone. I know that our eating disorders often make us
2: feel so isolated and lonely, even if we're around other humans, maybe. And yet I want you to know that inside the collective, there are many, many people with similar struggles and experiences you might have. and who are ready to be there for you if you want to.
0: The next question I asked our members was, what has been a turning point for you in your own recovery so far? Becky starts us off here with a turning point that really sounds a lot like looking at the big picture in her life and recognizing that the eating disorder was just not a good fit anymore. My eating disorder was anorexia
3: and I relied on this to numb my emotions when I had a lot of difficult things going on in my life. I was battling anxiety, depression and PTSD and this seemed to be the way that I coped with it. My turning point was realising that even though it numbed the bad things, I also couldn't feel the good things either. So what was a point? My life was getting very exciting, but I felt physically and mentally exhausted and it was taking a big toll on my body. I was about to start my dream job and I wanted to be able to feel physically capable and feel the excitement and empathy again. I realized that the only thing that was wrong in my life anymore was the eating disorder. I started listening to Meg's podcasts and that turned the tables for me and made me realize that there was another way and I could find happiness and peace again. Deleting my calorie apps and throwing my scale was the best thing I could have done. And it's lost the power over me now. And I don't even think about those things.
0: Coco's turning point is one that I really cherish because it involves working with an eating disorder recovery coach. And I think it's a helpful reminder to all of you who are on the fence about building your recovery team that. Hiring the right professionals for you can make a massive difference.
2: I would say when I started working with my coach over a year ago, before I made that step, I tried recovery on my own a bit and I was completely sure I don't need help. I'll do this on my own. I don't know. I figure everything out and well, all that kind of bullshit actually. I mean, there are surely people who can do that, but I soon reached a point where I had to admit that concept doesn't work for me and when I started working with my coach I had a safe place to share my eating disorder thoughts and someone who never judged me and always reacted so kind and compassionate and yeah I would say it was a turning point for me because it made some of the shame and guilt around my eating disorder shrink and by that I felt more ready to open up in real life about my eating disorder and get more help and then finally taking action got possible
0: I truly love that Coco tried to do recovery by herself and realized it wasn't working. I hope many of you who have that narrative inside can soon recognize that there is no need to do this alone. And I think Claire's turning point supports that point. A turning
1: point in my recovery has been joining the recovery community known as the Recovery Collective. Accessing alternative treatment doesn't necessarily mean going out and finding a healer, it can mean healing yourself by trying things that include evidence-based, holistic care, your treatment team, recovery coaches, and a recovery community. And that's what it's been for me in 2022.
0: The next question I asked our lovely members was, what do you do to take care of yourself when recovery gets hard? And before I share with you their responses, I want to say that almost all of our members responded with the same thing here, which is reaching out for help. One of the sayings that the CCI-trained coaches like to say, and I think it was originally said by Carolyn Coston, is that reaching out for help puts the eating disorder out of a job. And The responses you're about to hear is really evidence of that.
2: What do you do to take care of yourself when recovery gets difficult? Mostly I'm reaching out to other people like my coach or people inside the collective to keep me extra accountable,
1: especially when things are getting hard food-wise. When things have been really difficult, I definitely care for myself by reaching out and connecting with safe and supportive people. And most of the time they're people that know nothing about my recovery journey, but equally it's been having like-minded people, fellow community members in the recovery collective that made a difference for me this year.
3: I'm fortunate to have some really incredible supportive friends who I confide in when things get tough. None of my friends have eating disorders, which is A blessing because it gives me the outside perspective and it helps me to see the relationship I aspire to have again with food and my body. But sometimes it can be difficult because they don't really understand how an eating disorder brain works. This is where Meg's podcast and the Recovery Collective community comes in, where you know that you're not the only one experiencing these thoughts and you can learn how others overcame those
4: same scenarios. What do you do to take care of yourself when recovery gets difficult? First, I text my coach and you can insert whatever support person there. If you're not working with a coach, you could contact your therapist, your dietitian, a friend, a family member, whoever is your support person that you know you can reach out to when things are difficult, whether they're going to talk to you about recovery or not. Maybe you need to talk to a friend who's going to talk to you about something completely unrelated. Maybe that's what your brain needs to get out of its stuck mindset. I also ask my husband for help in the moments when I'm just frozen in place and cannot think through or figure out what to do. I also reach out to the other members of the Recovery Collective family because it really does feel like that, a family, and there is always someone, at least one person, who gets it and or is able to offer encouragement, advice, or just a listening ear.
0: And I completely get it. You're probably like, reaching out doesn't work for me but when was the last time you really tried? And were you reaching out to someone who you trust or someone who is trying to understand or has been through it themselves? Maybe you're not reaching out to the right person. And one thing I love about the community is that people inside the community don't need an explanation. You don't have to sit there and Prove to them that you have an eating disorder. You don't need to educate them on what eating disorders are. They already know. So the understanding is there, the compassion is there, and the support feels a little bit better. Reaching out is a very effective way to take care of yourself and simultaneously battle the eating disorder at the same time. In addition to reaching out for help, some of our members also mentioned. Some of their favorite coping skills that they use when things get hard. And if coping is difficult for you, take advice from some of these ladies. They have some really good ideas.
2: And at the same time, I try to take care of myself by doing things from which I know that they're kind of good for me. You know, I sometimes don't like to do them. Like, I don't know, going outside at least once a day or committing to my meal plan. Those both are actually the hardest ones, to be honest. But also doing some journaling or taking my meds, going to bed earlier and all that. I try to include those things as a kind of non-negotiable part of my daily schedule, I would say. And therefore throw some of other things out which aren't that important maybe or which can be postponed. Like also social events sometimes. and. I would say by that I'm creating some more me time I can use for things I really enjoy like playing guitar or diving into Harry Potter or a good thriller or crime book, listening to music or audiobooks and yeah, kind of simple things, I would say.
4: I also try to think of things that are very specific to me because a lot of typical self care type suggestions are not necessarily practical or doable for various reasons for me. So on the most basic level, I have my go to comfort shows. Friends is right at the top of that list, but Gilmore Girls is up there too, as is Allie McPhil, and I can probably quote most, if not all, lines in most, if not all, episodes of all three of those series. Sometimes even, the characters that I relate to in those series, I will try to channel them and sort of pretend that I am them as I'm going throughout my day, using that as a way to feel more empowered to take the action when I'm otherwise feeling too scared as myself. I'm also an audiophile, and I could not make it through life without music playlists, dancing, and that includes dancing in the house, that includes dancing outside in the rain or just standing outside in the rain and letting that wash over me and feeling so incredibly grounded in the present moment. I also intentionally try to schedule time for fun, whether that's playing the newest Pokemon game, going ice skating, working on jigsaw puzzles, hugging my dog, looking for four-leaf clovers, which is something I've done since childhood. So again, inner child stuff, always very helpful when things get difficult, at least for me.
0: Okay, wow. Is anyone else feeling super inspired by some of these ideas? I'm telling you, go re-listen to those and write down a few for you to try next time your emotions feel overwhelming. I promise that when you find the right coping skills for you, it will make the emotions feel so much more tolerable and decrease your chances of using eating disorder behaviors. And just so you know, once a month inside the Recovery Collective, we do a coping skills group together. And that is something where we come together for an hour and practice a new skill. And it's really fun. This month, we're doing collaging and vision boarding for 2023. Last month, we had an essential oils class run by another one of our members. And also, we've done things like Paint by number. It's really fun and it's something we all can do together virtually. So, back to the original question, which was what do you do to take care of yourself when your eating disorder gets difficult or hard? And Becky also mentioned another tip about staying motivated, which I wanted to share.
3: I also remember how I used to feel in my eating disorder, which was very cold, dizzy, weak, depressed, scared, anxious. Versus the life I live now, working in recovery. And all my relationships are so much stronger. I have so much empathy for people and I have the space to enjoy life. And I don't obsess over food or weight anymore.
0: Honestly, I love that. A quick reminder that your life is so much better now that you've started working towards recovery, or maybe that you've already made it there. It's really good to remind yourself how far you've come. And I promise, sometimes it might feel like you're just running through sludge, not making any progress. But if you look back six months or a year, that's when you start to see the difference. The week to week can feel a little murky at times. And that is why it's important to surround yourself with people or a team of folks who can point out to you, hey, look at how far you've come since you've started. and I want all of you to take a moment to reflect on that because it's really important to do so. All right, the next question I asked the members was, what is your favorite part about being a member of the Recovery Collective and or what is your favorite memory of being a member inside the collective?
2: I absolutely love the community inside the collective. I feel that we all truly care about each other and that we are there for each other to cheer somebody on, but also to be compassionate about possible setbacks which tend to happen during recovery and I love that it's a non-judgmental safe space for me and I would say the highlight was definitely to meet up with some of the humans inside the collective at our retreat.
0: That's right folks you did hear Coco correctly we did have a recovery collective retreat last year all the way in Portugal which was super fun and Of course, not all of our members were able to make it, and we were thinking of them every single day, but it was really incredible to meet the members who did get to join us face-to-face and do yoga every morning in this beautiful river valley in Portugal. We also ate together and learned together and enjoyed nature. It was just beautiful, and oh my gosh, I could talk about that all day, but we have so much more to share here. And if you do want to join the retreat, you have to become a member of our community to do so. Okay, okay, back to the favorite memories here. My favorite memory
1: from 2022 and the Recovery Collective has been, ah, the people that foster animals and some of the cute photos they share, as well as members who share some pretty cool playlists and Seeing people's personalities emerge from behind their problems, their struggles has been really inspiring. It's helped me to connect with some of my authentic healthy self, non-ED parts.
0: Can I just say that what Claire just said is one of my favorite quotes of this entire episode, which she said, one of her favorite parts is seeing people's personalities emerge from behind their struggles. And that means so much to me because that's what community is. It's coming together with a shared purpose, but bringing your own special personality into that community. And you'll find, and you can even tell here on this episode, everyone brings a different energy, different interests, different passions, different life experiences. And as you exist in the community, You get to get used to those little personalities and quirks, and you know who you can talk to about music. You know who you can talk to about animals, motherhood, and then you have the friends who you can lean on when things are stressful or difficult, and it's just really cool because we're not talking about our eating disorders all the time. We're talking about life.
4: Honestly, it's probably the fact that I can show up as myself, feel welcomed, feel like part of the Recovery Collective family and participate and contribute to the community in any way whatsoever. I've been involved in various iterations of Recovery Communities for nearly 20 years. And while many have had their good points, I have never been in a community that feels as close-knit and as comprehensively supportive and safe as the Recovery Collective is. I'm chronically ill and disabled and don't get much interaction outside my house. The Recovery Collective has given me a space where I feel like I belong, which is something else I've never really been able to find at any point in life. And it's where I've connected with so many beautiful souls who are all fighting for the same goal, freedom from disorder and chaos, and a life worth living. I look forward to every single Recovery Collective event because it's been the most valuable adjunct to my existing treatment team and recovery journey by far.
3: I love the community. Everyone is so, so supportive and it gives me so much hope. There are also specific rules so that you never feel triggered by anyone and your eating disorder is valid. There's no competition. And if you are struggling, then you're already sick enough and deserve to recover. You don't have to prove anything.
0: Okay, so the next question I asked our members was, what advice do you have for people with eating disorders who want to recover? I will say Becca came in hot with this first statement. I think many of you are about to feel called out.
4: First, you can't logic your way out of an eating disorder.
0: I'm going to play that one again, just in case you didn't
4: hear it. First, you can't logic your way out of an eating disorder. You can't think your way out of disorder. It's super easy to fall into the trap of only consuming recovery content and never putting it into action in your life. One thing I've learned and am still trying to put into practice more consistently myself is that motivation will wax and wane. So we cannot rely on motivation for the recovery process. Instead, we have to make a commitment ahead of time to follow through on whatever the action is, even and especially when we don't feel like it and the motivation has faded. And if you're able to make that commitment to action, You'll set yourself up for success in recovery as soon as you decide on and commit to taking an action. If that voice starts screaming, it's a perfect sign that the decision and commitment you made is recovery oriented. Most of the time, you have to do the thing and take the action while terrified, doing your best to trust that those who have gone through this before you and have come out the other side and can say that they are fully recovered, know exactly what they're talking about, and they have no incentive to lie to you about what works in recovery. Meanwhile, your eating disorder is nothing but a lying liar who lies. And as such, it cannot be trusted or relied on to give you an accurate perspective on literally anything.
0: I love that. Your eating disorder is nothing but a lying liar who lies. Mic drop, Becca. All right. Next up is Becky, who shared some fire advice as well.
3: My advice is to confide in someone you trust if you can and start listening to the podcasts. These podcasts help you to search for your health advice and it means you can go at your own pace if you don't feel ready to share everything you're feeling right now. Stay away from tripping content. If you're triggered by scales, calories, diet talk, tight clothing, then try and remove these things from your life and it'll make everything a whole lot easier. And just remember that you deserve to recover and you deserve to be happy. And if you weren't going to give this advice to someone else, you wouldn't tell someone else to do the eating disorder behaviors that you do, the thoughts that you do. Why are you doing it to yourself?
0: Claire and Coco also had similar and very valuable advice.
1: Just be brave. Try something different. If we never try, we never know what could be possible.
2: Basically, don't wait until you feel ready for recovery. There's no wrong or right point to start. Like, I'm in recovery for more than a year already and still don't really feel ready for it. Yet, I would say I'm making progress little by little. If you're eating this auto, we'll always find reasons why it's not the right timing, not that bad. And I don't know, all that. So, yeah, I would say the best timing is now and don't wait any longer.
0: I gotta say, Claire and Coco are totally right with that one. It can be really easy to get sucked into maybe prepping for recovery or telling yourself that you will start your recovery journey when something else falls into place. But really, there is no better time than now because you do not deserve to live with your eating disorder any longer than you already have. And the final question I asked our amazing humans was, what is your favorite recovery mantra? By the way, if you're a Disney fan, you're definitely going to want to write the next one down.
4: One that is very specific and special to me is doing it for Disney. That is one that I created because my husband and I honeymooned in Disney World in 2011, and we've not been able to go back since. One of my biggest goals for recovery is to be able to go back down to Disney World and not only go there, but also enjoy all of the wonderfully amazing food that the Disney parks have to offer.
0: Here are a few other mantras that our members shared, and I'm also going to have a little chuckle with this one, because for those of you who are saying you are not really a mantra person, we have people like that in our community, too.
2: Yeah, I'm not really a mantra person, but recently I'm going a lot with disappoint others before I disappoint myself, which is just a very, very good reminder to set boundaries and take care of my own needs instead of people pleasing.
0: Mm -hmm, People pleasing sounds familiar. I'm sure many of you could use that mantra. Thank you so much Coco for that one and Becky had a really good reminder as well.
3: One of them is eating the side related. It is you are not meant to fit your clothes, your clothes are meant to fit you, which I got from Ro online. And the other one is just in general that I've used my whole life.
0: Shoot for the moon, even if you miss you'll land amongst the stars. Aw, that one's really cute. I feel like I had a little kitty poster that said that growing up. But yes, Claire also had a great reminder slash mantra for all of you to take with you today.
1: My mantra for 2022 and for 2023 will continue to be, I am capable and so are you.
0: Aw, Claire, I love that. It is so simple and sweet. I am capable. And thank you for that reminder, Claire. Going to say it again, all of you are capable as well. And to finish it off, Becca shared a few more catchy mantras for you to keep in your back pocket on a difficult recovery day.
4: Nothing lasts forever, not even this. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Your race, your pace, your recovery, your recovery.
0: Yes, I truly love that reminder. And while we are all a community here, it is so important to remember that your recovery is also a very individual process. So, your race, your pace, your recovery is your recovery. Okay, that's all, folks. That's everything I got for you. I want to say thank you so much to Claire, Coco, Becky and Becca, the four of you have been so brave, and it's really vulnerable to show up in this way and share your words of wisdom to thousands of listeners on the internet. So thank you guys for that. You're amazing and brave. If any of you listening really connected with the members who shared today, I will be sharing the Instagram handles of these members in the show notes so you can connect with them if you want. And of course, I am sharing all of this information with their permission. If you enjoyed this episode and you feel connected to some of the members who shared today, I promise you, you you're going to love our community, the Recovery Collective. And I've said this already, but The doors of the Recovery Collective are open today until February 1st. So if you want a community, I highly recommend you use the link in the show notes or go to recoverycollective.mykajabi.com to sign up right away. And I promise you are absolutely going to love it. And just as a reminder, we only open our doors three times a year. And this is the first time in 2023. And again, little side note, now is honestly the best time of the year to join because you will get all of our recorded workshops from 2022 for free. And by the way, that is like Recovery Netflix. I think we have close to 100 hours or more. Recorded on our 2022 library already, just waiting to be watched and reviewed for you to learn from. Isn't that cool? So, check that out. And I didn't mention this before, but that 2022 library of content will disappear for those who join later in the year. So, you will not have access to all of that free content if you do not join before February 1st. All right, guys, that's it. I'm so excited. This was such a fun episode to record. And I want to say thank you all for listening to the full and thriving podcast today. It means so much to me to have you here. I care about you guys. I think about you. I hope you are doing well in your recovery and doing recovery as boldly as possible. So here's to a positive and meaningful 2023, let's make it a courageous one. I hope you have a beautiful day.